Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, my dear summer listeners. If you're hearing this message, it means we're on our summer break for 2023. While we're taking a few weeks off, we are re-releasing some of our favorite artist episodes from this past season. If you've already listened to them all and don't need a second listen, then I thank you for your download and please enjoy the next hour of podcast free time for yourself. Maybe go outside, listen to some music, or just listen to yourself think. A very useful exercise. However, if you didn't catch them all and or you want to take another listen to some of our great artists from this past season, then please enjoy you know we'll be back with fresh episodes in August and already have a lot of great ones recorded with both artists and schools, including some more Tony winners for our Tony hungry fans out there. I don't know why I said Tony like I'm from Pittsburgh, but I just did it just to throw some summer fun in for you. Um, I love you all and I thank you for making Mapping the College Edition a part of your listening diet and I'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we've got a past, present, and yet-to-come show lined up for you. Chris McCarroll of Lightning Thief and TikTok fame is on the pod today. Um, we've met a few times in different social situations, but we got to hang out a few weeks back at Chicago Unifieds, and it was so fun to have him on the pod. Uh, speaking of so fun, MTCA just wrapped an amazing junior weekend, both live, in person, and online. It was exciting to see our families. Some of them were local, some of them really from abroad who made the trip, and of course those who participated online. And the weekend got me so excited for our summer faculty masterclass week, which is August 1st through 6th um, this summer. You know, this weekend was really about preparation for the kind of work we'll be doing in those faculty classes. We'll do those in our spring classes online, but especially for that that summer, I got to see some of the community start to be built between the students, and it's just really reminiscent of what happens in the summer. We are back, baby. It's very excited. Um, so that will be 12 amazing classes, seeing a Broadway show together, seeing doing a talk back, some Q&As with amazing Broadway actors. Um, we'll have all these exciting meetings, like with some of our MTCA alumni. Very excited for that week. Um, I know some of the parents really bonded this weekend and already were making plans for that week. So um, I will just say, please plan ahead for that if you can, August 1st through 6th. Try to be here in New York City participating in that wonderful summer faculty masterclass week. Um, in other exciting news, as many of you may have seen, um, if you happen to follow me on socials, um, Elizabeth and I were honored to be guests of our friend Sean Allen Krill, um, who's a future podcast guest, fear not, um, for the opening of Parade, uh, and it was just an incredible experience. Not to shill for a show, which may or may not be a BPN advertiser, but please run to see this show if you can. The music was incredible, but I was really blown away by the acting and the direction. 
as well as the adjustments they made to the show. They clearly put care into updating the work and making it a bit more intersectional. And I think beautifully subtler than previous productions I've seen, which is a big feat in a story that I would not normally describe as a subtle story. Um, and Sean was incredible. He plays Governor Slayton, who's sort of like a moral conscience of the South going through this moment. And he will tug your heartstrings, as of course will Ben and Michaela and the rest of the cast. Definitely worth the price of admission. I'm especially excited for you to hear this episode with Chris, though we do have to give some apologies. We had some significant technical issues. You'll hear, it's not gonna sound very different on your end. Chris's audio quality isn't quite as good as it should be. You'll hear like a little couple moments of that. This is somehow due to complicated internet stuff I don't fully understand, um, but I have to give a huge shout out to the amazing Megan Cordier, who did a yeoman's job stitching this all together so seamlessly. I think occasionally you'll hear little cuts as she tries to fix timing, because we were on two separate feeds and this kind of discrepancy in timing that comes with that. Um, but I think in general, you're gonna find it a really smooth listen, which is an impressive job by her. And I think a really, excellent episode. I think you're really going to enjoy um, hearing Chris's perspective. And I think we have a really engaging conversation. And with that, let's get to the episode with Chris Ms. Carroll. Well, we are so excited to be joined by Chris McCarroll. Uh, Chris has a BM from Baldwin Wallace University. He's been on Broadway in shows like uh, Les Mis, where he played Marius, uh, at our MTCA coach, Alex Fink. Percy in The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. That's too many Percy's in one title. <laughs> Written by former MTCA coach, Rob Rokiki. My God, so many shout outs here. Um, he's done regional shows like Bubble Boy, which your own podcast host helped develop Bubble Boy. That's why we're pulling it from your bio. I was in the Carnegie Mellon, whatever development reading of this way back then. No the way. He's also been in TV and things like Peter Pan, the OA. Um, he's a well-known cabaret performer. He's featured on the EP of Never Be King alongside the most recent podcast guest, Talia Suskauer. What a small world. Um, and he runs a great TikTok where he gives lots of great tips on being an actor, a singer, auditioning, the college process, all kinds of great information. He's also on the board of the Fund for College Auditions, TFCA, our sister organization. So we're so excited to chat about all that today and to officially welcome you to the pod. Chris, how are you doing? I am good. What an intro. Wow. When you really list it out, I'm like, wow, that's getting longer than I thought. But I guess we make you sound fancy. We do. We, we judge a bit if we need to. You, you know? just keep doing things. By the time you're 32, you got like a whole, whole thing. I thought it might be fun to add one fake credit to everyone's bio and just see what they did. I've been tempted to do that. Of just like one small, it wouldn't be like the most fancy credit, but it would just be like an added off Broadway show and just see like, are they going to call me out? Or are they just going to let me let that live? Just let it slide. Um, Chris, I'm going to start you off with our, the question we ask all of our artist guests to start off, which is just, you know, for our current students thinking about yourself at 16, 17, you know, if you remember what you were looking for in the college process, if you kind of remember as I began looking at schools and what I thought I was trying to get out of school, what I might eventually wanted to do, what were you thinking about in that sort of like um, your goals for your college list? Ugh, I just wanted, I, it, I, I was not very strategic. I wanted to just go to one of the top schools. My backup plan was to yeah. gap year and I was so sick of any classes that didn't have to do with music theater that I just wanted an intense program that was good. That was you wake up and you fall asleep and all you do all day is sing, dance and act. So I was like ready to just yep. drop my education at high school, which I 
worked hard to like keep broadband. Um, like I took a lot of high level classes knowing that it was yep. going to be done. That was it. Next was conservatory. And, and then conservatory. Doing. So that's what I yeah. did. And when you say top for you, was it like, it was really about the reputation? Like you cared about these five schools I've heard about. How did you determine that? I mean, you're not that much younger than me. So, you know, the internet would have existed yeah. for you at least somewhat, but it wouldn't have been like, you know, you wouldn't have had the same, you wouldn't right. have had TikTok. You wouldn't have had social media doing this yet. How were you determining which five, 10 schools you thought of as, as top of the top? Um, it was kind of a different world back then. There was less, you know, less programs. It was kind of more clear cut, but to be honest, it was the, it was the programs that had students that I actually thought were better than me or we're good, you know what I mean? And is that, but like, are you watching YouTube videos? Are you seeing actual shows? How YouTube, and then my brother went to Baldwin-Wallace. I have like a really weird journey. My uh -huh. brother was a music theater major seven years ahead of me. So like, I grew up going huh. to Baldwin-Wallace shows, hanging out with like the college kids after the show. Um, so like I had a really insider scoop of like what being a music theater major was like. And did that mean, did you feel like a, a judgment of a Baldwin Wallace before you were starting of like, oh, it's not, you know, it's where my brother went. So it's not to you what those, you know, what those other schools were. <laughs> I, I desperately tried to get away. I desperately, I was like, I want to get out of <laughs> Cleveland. I don't want to go where my brother, I don't want to be in my brother's footsteps. And I tried my hardest and Yep. The universe just pushed me right back, right back to it. And I, it's like truly like my home of where I fell in love. With it. And the universe being the, the schools just said no, right? So you auditioned for about four or five of those schools or whatever you did. And they said no. Yes. I got rejected from everywhere. And I was devastated. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And what were your parents like at the time? So were they supportive of, I guess you're, you wanted to do this, but also then like, what was that experience like of like, oh, I got all these no's and I guess I'll go to this school that is in my backyard. I was headstrong. I like, I, there wasn't a lot of like guessing on my part, you know what I mean? And it all has to do with my brother. Like, I just knew what I was getting into. I knew how treacherous New York was for him adapting to New York. So when I decided to do this, I was like, you know, I'm going to freaking make this work my way. I was very clear with them. And my mom's a college counselor. She's like, what are your backups? What are your safeties? I'm like, gap year. Mm -hmm. Gap year is my safety. She's like, you mm -hmm. can't just say that. And I'm like, yes, I can't. I'm not going to waste your money <laughs> in majoring in advertising for a year to then mm -hmm. try to go to a music theater school again. But I was devastated. It was a really hard time but then you end up getting into and going to what many students now would think of as one of their top schools right. I mean, when right. when we come now to um you know we don't have this is what our list of top but we see when our students bring in schools often you see like which are the schools that they're they come in with when they bring in six or seven schools well Wallace very often on the list also our very first podcast guest was vicky buster yes. uh, college guest now now um but so tell me about the experience so what was now this what might not have seemed like the dream for you at the time but then it turned out to be you said a home for you and a, a positive yeah um it felt like i just i think i really wanted the experience of going in as a stranger and people being like wow and i just 
didn't have that. And so the experience was because people already knew you. Yes. Like the people on campus, like, oh, you're, oh, what's your brother's name? Yeah, Mitch, Mitch McCarroll. You're Mitch's brother. He'd be like, what's up? Oh, it's Mitch's brother. Yes, yeah, yes, please. yes. And Vicky was like, I have been waiting for you to audition for the past seven years. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Uh, right, so, um, and it was just a different time. Like, um, I remember going to BW, knowing the program well. Um, knowing it was like cooking with gas it was right when it was like popping off um mm -hmm. but at i knew going into bw i was like there's not one male alumni whose career i want which was like a huge kind of turning point for me because i was like i have to drive this i can't right you have to be that male alumni that now people looking forward to i, I want to be like, like carve my own path through this training and i really used yep. it rather than like just sitting on the conveyor belt being like well if i just do everything right i'll pop out on the other side like gavin yep. creel you know what i mean like it, there uh -huh. was none of that so i really had like a firm hand on the steering wheel and really like used the heck out of yep. everything that program had to offer well, which was so much so much and from what, from what I understand from having d dove deep down the rabbit hole of your TikTok, which we'll get into uh, certainly on the second half, you really have a, a great deal of vocal expertise. And I would say more than, I think, many you know very strong musical theater performers. Not, not every really strong singer necessarily has that much knowledge and expertise about their voice. Do you feel like that was because of maybe specifically the Bachelors of Music at Bald Moss? Is that, is that where you feel like you were getting a lot of that or is it more about continued training after? Where do you feel like you landed at that point where you go, I really know my stuff vocally? It's a couple things. Definitely being around, because um, we were like right next to, you know, the violinists, the clarinetists, the piano virtuosos, just being around mm -hmm. those brains. It's a much more mathematical um, kind of vibe going on. So we could really like nerd yeah. out um just about you know the science of music and my teachers right. like really were just freaking nerds about the science of sound not mm -hmm. necessarily the science of singing and i would say so so are you right i mean it seems like you you sometimes i'm seeing some of it couched in kind of fun contemporary language but you're giving oh. me a lot of nerdery even though you're like doing it sassy but i'm like this is really complex vocal expertise that you're giving me even though you're doing oh it totally i mean when i say like in high school i was taking high level classes i was like a math physics acoustic nerd chemistry who just loved mm -hmm. theater like mm -hmm. i was not like history english at all like i wanted to like figure out how everything freaking worked and why it worked you got all that vocal nerdery and, and maybe uh, um, musical expertise. Is there anything that you feel like from the program, if you could now go back being a professional actor, is there anything that you go, you know, I wish this program had a little bit more of this. I wish I could add a little bit more into this program now. I think this applies to pretty much, I think every program. The biggest switch, and I think about this all the time, in college and in high school, you're usually performing material you know really, really well. And usually the higher pressure situation is, the higher, how can I say that? Now we're getting into physics. So E equals pressure, yeah. pressure <laughs> times acceleration plus mass divided by, this is really getting into it. Yeah. The higher pressure situation. I'm But usually the higher the pressure of the situation, the more you prepare and know the material. Then you get lobbed into New York and you're literally going mm -hmm. into Broadway 
auditions uh -huh. with some of the most important people in theater and you got the music two days ago. So I wish I'm still uncomfortable uh -huh. unless I have like weeks to like run it in the space with the people in uh -huh. front of me. Um, I wish I built a muscle of being more comfortable flying by the seat of my pants on um, uh -huh. material I barely know. Because once I know the material. Yeah, it's so interesting that it's the way we choose to audition and find out how people get jobs, given that like, that is such a rare skill set that you would need. When do you need to perform? I mean, I guess maybe you're swinging in and during COVID, you have two days to practice go. But for the most part, it's like, you get a lot of time to practice and we're not seeing your improv skills. We're seeing your ability with the time and with the, it's a weird thing that we choose to audition. Yeah, it's just kind of like the devil that you got to deal with. Cause like, what's the other, but I wish there was more awareness of just like, this is a completely different skill set, and people who are great at this, you know, might give the exact same performance after a month of rehearsal. And then other people can craft like a masterpiece and can barely remember lyrics in an audition room. Uh, but it, and it's so stressful. It's just a consistent stress of your life of just barely knowing. Well, talk to me about that, those early so. days. Here we are, I guess, a decade ago, <laughs> given that you've named yourself and your age, my God. Um, <laughs> so it's a decade ago, you've come out, you're, you're not exactly Gavin Creel, as you maybe thought you were going to be, but you're going to, you're yourself, right? What are those early, you know, you, you're 22, 23, how are you hitting the pavement in New York City? How are you figuring it out? You know, you're going to book Les Mis pretty soon in the grand scheme of things. How's all that happening for you? It was, it was absolute chaos. Um, and it was a different time, you know, I just. You keep saying it was a different time. It wasn't that long ago. You I know, but it really has ago. a lot has changed, especially with changed. like people navigating the industry fresh out of college. Now it's a completely just the amount of work happening. Yes. But yes. I was auditioning literally every other day. Uh -huh. It was chaos because it's right when you're you fresh. You have an agent, you booked an agent out of showcase and they're sending you out on stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I uh -huh. got a really great one. And he was like, just gung ho. You don't have to with... whisper it, Chris. You're like, I got a really, <laughs> really great one. It's okay. It's fantastic. That's the goal. Well, I freaking yeah. love him. Ben Sands. And he was brand new at his agency at the time. So he brought me and Sierra in. And we were the two people he ever brought on to this new agency that he moved mm -hmm. up to. So he was like basically managing us, me mm -hmm. and Sierra Renee. So literally every other day auditions. Um, Casting is trying to basically stress testing you to figure out your vibe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm going in for like jock roles, like stuff that like now they're like, oh my God, Chris could not pull that off if he wanted to. Um, and it was insanity. And I tried to be uh -huh. like a grade A student and I would prepare and I would sleep and I would walk in and I would just bomb it. And so I gave up. I literally gave up. I just started uh -huh. like... You gave up preparing, you mean? I gave up trying to look polished. Uh-huh, uh -huh. Because I literally didn't have the time or the ener energy. I'm, you know, I was like walking from having a monologue prepared to having four songs ready. It was just like chaos. Uh -huh. So um, it was really just like a chaotic, controlled stumble of me trying not to embarrass myself. And I gave, like, I accidentally was myself because i didn't have any energy right you stumbled into authenticity i didn't have any <laughs> energy to manipulate how i was seeming uh -huh. 
You mean, and, and maybe some of those, especially those different roles where you're like, I'm going to try to be right. a jock and you're giving them something where like, which I'm sure vocally you can give them that, but you're like, it's not really energetically who I am. So I'm putting on this fake thing. And then as you lose that and actually you're Chris, we get to go, oh, I see what to do with Chris. I see where you fit. Exactly. I and I think if I, if I only had one audition a week, I would have really like filtered my, uh -huh. you know, even how I walk in or like interacted uh -huh. with the team. You know what I mean? Uh, so hard. We talked about with a couple of different casting directors that, and it's hard, I think, from their end to truly to give that advice. But I do think it is it is such a tricky balance of like, how much do I show the role you're asking mm -hmm. me for? But it's also the first time you're meeting me, so I want to show you Charlie. But I do want to book this role. It'd be great to book the role. Like it's like finding that, even though it's probably an outside shot because this is a bit yeah. of a stretch for me. That's a really tricky. And uh, I mean, that. this is like a huge thing that is not really talked about that much. But also being gay. Like there's a huge pressure that I think every gay guy in theater can relate to where you kind of try to cover it up when you walk into the room, if you're auditioning for a romantic lead. And I got to the point where I even gave that, I was not like trying to butch up Chris to be like, oh, I can be Marius. Right. And, and theater, right. thank God is ahead enough where the teams could actually see you as a person and be like, yeah, that's Chris, but you should see his Marius. You know what I mean? Totally. And, and maybe in, in butching up yourself or butching up Marius, you actually would not be playing your best version of Marius, right? Like, yeah. Because in some ways, like what Marius is such a, there's a lot of a feat to him that works. And there's a lot of poetry and him being yeah. a kind of bro would be like, yeah. what? That doesn't kind of, that doesn't work for this part. But even just yourself, it's like how you walk into rooms, you're very aware of like what you're giving off and like what secrets you're letting out about you as a human, uh -huh. let alone once you start acting, yep. you know, what the character you made is. Well, and it's such a skill set to let people in, especially to your point, E equals pressure times mass acceleration. You know, when you're feeling the stress, like it is really hard to walk in a room. You want to be seen well, but to be seen. And and any of those things that you do to say, I don't want them to see this part. You're just, you put up a wall and then it's just like, I don't get to know Charlie as well because Charlie's not really here. Char Charlie's showing his representative, not Charlie showing. Yeah. Charlie. And like, yeah. What about so early on? Were you doing any crazy? Were you waiting tables while you're doing all this? Were you doing, or were you like, nope, I get to be an actor all the time uh, for those early days? Short answer is no. Short answer is I came into the city with four thousand yeah. dollars and I never worked. Uh, I got lameness within four months. Yep. Longer answer is is I like planned for that a little bit. Uh -huh. So sophomore year, an agent was like what are you doing this summer? Mm -hmm. And I was like, summer stock. And he's like, don't do that. Come to the city and audition and I'll represent you for the summer. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, well, that's great experience. So I'll just do that. So I went and did that. And I auditioned, you know, to every other day uh -huh. for an entire summer. I didn't get one call back. And no one was like, that's a vibe. Everyone was mm -hmm. like, you are so loud. You have one color. <laughs> you're just like you kind of come in and you just like throw right. it to the walls we already told you you're not good enough to get to michigan what are you doing you're, you're, <laughs> right. more you're just like i'm getting nothing but rejection right just rejection and i was like so i took like one workshop with um with the casting director and was just like do you have any other colors than just like vibrato belt loud and i was mm -hmm. like oh my god not really 
I didn't, the colors. I didn't know their colors would be needed. I, I thought like, it would be singing. textures. What? No, and so cool. I went back to school being like, I need to step this up or I'm going to. And meanwhile, I have my brother who's seven years ahead, who's waiting uh -huh. tables, trying to make it work. Uh -huh. I'm like, I got to really freaking over nail this launch into the city. So I, so it's not like I just stumbled in the city and was like, oh my God, like I just got Broadway immediately. Like this was a very strategic I trained the heck out of my last two years at school, getting, yeah. you know, pop rock textures in my voice, like really creating kind of my own curriculum with my voice teacher of like yeah. over, like just putting extra gas in this tank and kind of redid my entire voice the last two years. So, well, and I think some strategy to come even with $4,000 and coming with a plan, maybe from having seen your brother, like that's where I just, it, it, we often talk about how hard it is for people to land in New York city. You know, sometimes it takes you a full year to even figure out how to live and how to get a roommate and figure out, you know, all that kind of stuff that can be hard to be doing that while you're doing blessedly, you have this great agent and you're auditioning every other day, but doing all the life skills stuff while you do that is really tricky. It's tough to wait tables oh, and I don't know how yeah. I did it. What a yeah. world. Um, but so there you are, four months in, you book lightning thing. This is terrible. Lightning. Megan, we have to get some people who, oh, thank you, book the name is, I was just going to say, but uh, um, Talia also was our most recent guest. Had a, She booked almost immediately out of school. So we have to have more people who struggle more because <laughs> it's more common to struggle than to book right out of school. This is not the common path. I'm sorry. I'll bring in more tortured artists. <laughs> thank you. Please. I keep. I was like, Talia, when did it get bad? She was like, never. It's fantastic oh, all the time. God. Oh, the pandemic. Pandemic. I was like, good, great. You got sick. Anyway. Um, that was really <laughs> You, what you got sick you almost died who cares <laughs> um but no you book lightning i keep wanting to say that you book lightning three four months but you didn't you booked lame is and you ran that for a while yeah what was that experience now hitting the broadway debut so early a pretty big check box i'm sure on the big list um happening at 22 it was a freaking frick it's just ha ah, it's hard oh my gosh it's just everything you you wanted it's literally just every i got a rehearsal process because people don't understand the difference between mm -hmm. like you know being in an original cast like the original revival cast how yeah. different of a creative experience right. the original revival cast that's even yeah. a weird its own weird, weird thing, thing of like it's not the original but i am reviving originally not coming but in the fact Sorry, that like i wasn't even just plugged into a broadway show but i got to like truly mm -hmm. make my own track i was also understudying a lead I got to be in rehearsal yeah. with Tony winners and people I looked up to uh, like, oh my God, every day I was just so lit up. And that team knew the real me. They uh, talk about the audition story online, but I was a stumbling mess, you know, and, you know, running by the seat of my pants. And I was definitely just giving Chris because I don't even, I was blacking out for half of it. Mm -hmm. So they knew me and they truly <laughs> adored me. So I didn't even have to put on a filter of like, you know, hyper professionality. They were like, yeah, Chris just came out of school. And so I just felt so supported and it was just a crazy creative environment. Um, and then, you know, you perform on the Tonys, you open the show, the reviews come out. And you go through the whole life cycle in the good and the bad. When people start leaving, the show doesn't feel like the show you made anymore. And you were covering Marius from the beginning and then took it over? Yes. So, yeah, I was the OG Marius cover, but on stage. So I was one of the barricade boys. Uh, 
And that can't be the name of your Barricade Boys? That was your character? Jolie. I was Jolie. Oh, thank you. Yes. Jolie. I was so of proud of Jolie. I was like, I am Jolie. And then a year in, uh, they were like, uh, we want you to come to finals to take over Marius. And like by that time, there was already some like uh-huh. buzz cooking. Like people were like coming in. I like knew something was up. Like people were coming, like directors were coming in when I would uh-huh. go on. I was like, something's cooking. They're looking uh-huh. at me. Yeah. And then my, I was in finals. It was me and another dude. And the shout out, who, who lost the part? Tell, the, tell us who, who, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, they offered it. Uh, it was, it was Colton Ryan. It was two BW boys. It was the, I know. Colton Ryan literally just graduated from BW and was coming in hot. And it was me and him for Marius. And then uh-huh. he got offered my role. And then, and then he became like a huge freaking, huge freaking star. Then he was under, then he was the first cover for Ben Platt. Correct. Right. No, but then, so then tell us about that. So, uh, cause I do think most people don't know. All right. So then when you take over, what kind of rehearsal do you get as Marius now, you know, in this new role? And I was super freaking lucky. Um, I came in with a new Eponine, a new um, Cosette, not a new Cosette. Mm-hmm. I think came later. Um, basically it was a big cast turnover all at once. And Les Mis, they know how shows get stale. Uh-huh. So they know that, like, we got to reinvigorate the show every time a huge cast change happens. So we basically mm-hmm. had a rehearsal process, full-blown, coming up with new blocking, mm-hmm. um, working, like, just, like, chef's Oof. kiss. Like, other people and other producers literally just can't afford oh, cool. that. Like, we literally had the lighting designer come in and relight the show around our cast. Yes, that is unusual. That's Very funny. unusual. Because um, Cameron's like, I don't, I don't care if money. The just yeah. make it, make it alive. I don't care money, make it good, make it alive. Uh, so I was super, super lucky with that. It was basically like reoriginating. Right, you got to recreate the role. Yeah. Well, it's something yes. like Elizabeth talked about that a lot in coming back to Jagged after the pandemic that she and Heidi were so close, they really spent so much time going, you know, talking, here's what this is. And, you know, she kind of watched Heidi struggle putting her shoes on. And then when she came back on, she had to put her shoes back on that Heidi had changed, of course. So she's like, I'm now doing a show that where I'm like justifying choices that I originated that like, it's really tricky of like, because Heidi had to make it her own. She had to make it work for her. And so then she's like, but how do I take it back? And now I kind of miss that the way I did it, you know, two years ago. And stuff is really tricky. It is very tricky, like just roles being passed from down from people to people to people. And I think long running shows kind of understand like that really requires a lot more attention. Yeah, it's like season think. two, season three. It needs a new, it needs a new refresh yeah. each time when we, we yeah. back. Well, then let's talk about what I keep trying to say, which is Lightning Thief. Um, let's talk about you getting to originate a lead role on Broadway, which talk about a dream that is, I mean, that's like at the top of basically everyone's bucket list. When I say like, what's next for your career wise? So many people are like, I want to originate a role on Broadway. And especially if it's a lead role, a titular role, my God. Um, what was that experience? How did that the casting happen? And then what was the experience of actually getting to, to do that show? Oh my gosh, these questions, I'm like, oh my God, I could write a whole book. Um, okay, so casting was this little weird, weird show. Like, <laughs> I'm always like, if 
Les Mis was a ship. It was a freaking unsinkable like aircraft carrier. If, and then Lightning Thief is literally like the sailboat that could. So I'm coming off this like aircraft carrier. I'm like a off Broadway show. Literally, it had a note in the audition being like actors will not have to um, be part of the stage crew and put up and oh. take down the set. I was like, what the heck is like, this talking? And they're like, oh, Theater Works has tours sometimes where they have. To, uh -huh. And I'm like, whatever. I like the music. I learned Good Kid in the shower the day of. My roommate was so my roommate was also a music theater guy and was like, you literally learned that in the shower before you went. And I'm like, I know. So I went, I did it. And there's sometimes scripts uh -huh. and songs literally just resonate with your dna so well it's all so easy yeah. like it was the easiest thing to act it was the easiest like comedy to figure out the song sat in my book it was just like special well and, and i can say having seen you i saw you opening night and now getting to know you as a person that integration was is very clear that happened in the show i don't feel like oh my god you're so different than you were like nope i feel like i'm meeting percy basically it feels very similar like you are that person in the show which is that's i think that i think of that as a great compliment to give someone actually that like it wasn't like who is this person that i spent two hours with and who am i talking to now yeah it was like and i kind of knew that this was going to be kind of the role that was just going to be like my Yep. my my guts up there because I, I i love roles that are so different than me that i go out there and i'm like this one you just got to make it as much what is freaking different about you uh and i walked out and i got the phone call like 20 minutes after i walked out that you booked it one audition booked it done yeah so by the time i got home i was like i got it and my friend was like you of course you freaking did of course you freaking the shower did. is still you learned running. it in the shower you learned it in the shower you walk out and then you come back and you say you got it like hey, so that's good vocal health right you get your steaming as you sing it's great everything I was, is perfect I was. and but, i sang it in four four i remember that the song's in three four it changes between three four and four four and uh -huh. i kept it in four four anyway we laugh about that it worked out. like the audio of me singing good kid and four four in the piano player trying to like figure out what the heck to do with me <laughs> um well and you get to originate this role so of course this is you know you're taking from off broadway to broadway but but this is now a, a you know from an ip perspective this exists in the world right uh, you know these are not books that i was familiar with but i know they were like a huge deal you know if you were maybe a couple a little younger than me maybe actually probably around your age were these books that you had read as a kid yeah how did you interact with like knowing there's movies there's books there's expectations from some fans coming to see the show that they're not going to see chris up there they're going to see their idea of percy who they read about when they were seven years old or or whatever that was how does that if it weighs on you at all how did that affect your performance or in the rehearsal room was that stuff that you guys talked about uh well what's good is coming off of lame is and marius and how i approached marius i was like i'm I'm doing it the same way. Like I, no, I had no relationship to the book. I read the first book. I was like, oh, this kid is me. And then I just went in how I always freaking go in. It's like, my only job is to make sure this kid, this character makes sense. If you just make them make sense, you will have a fully developed, weird, idiosyncratic character. So I'm like, He's mm -hmm. got to feel like he has ADD. He's got to feel like he has dyslexia. He's got to feel like he's truly uh, 
truly a loner at school. There's got to be a reason teachers hate him. Like, it, there's so much to work with. Like, why would I ever watch a movie? I'm like, I'm, I got a plate full of stuff I'm problem solving. Why would I watch how someone else problem solved it? Um, so no, I put my blinders on and I just, there's not one. And then I just go through and I'm like every single freaking detail. I don't let one thing slip where I don't make it make sense somehow in the character. Uh And was there, did there end up being a large Venn diagram overlap of people who were Percy Jackson fans and musical theater Percy the musical mm-hmm. uh, fans because it seems like there's both there's a cult following for both. I mean, people people love the show. It's now being produced every high school in the damn country right. is doing Percy Jackson, right? So like, but and people I think have a relationship with the musical separate from the books. Was there a big like stage door then overlap for you? Oh. Like, oh my god, I read that oh, when I was five. Huge, and we we truly did not know. Like to all of us, this was just a scrappy off Broadway show. Like when I got the show, uh-huh. it is. If I knew then what I knew now, it was just this weird, weird off-Broadway show. And then Uh opening night is when we were like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Like, the people came, and they came hard. Um, Uh Yeah, and it was, I mean, I have so many stories of people being like, Percy got me through middle school. Um, A lot of people's first time to a musical um a lot of people uh-huh. that were terrified of a musical adaptation of a book they love and then realizing how musicals can actually like elevate or like give a new spin on something so people started mm-hmm. like respecting the art form they're like oh my god we thought you were just gonna butcher this and make it like a musical but it's actually really creative and fun and mm-hmm. it feels exactly like the books and we're like yeah musicals can mm-hmm. be musicals have the ability to not butcher their source material like we can't pull it off mm-hmm. um so so much overlap like in, in for like the other musical book you you did i mean les mis was yeah first a book to somebody before a it very was. long the musical book. That very very long book. a very long book which i didn't ask you if you read i wouldn't want to try to <laughs> trap you um well then then what about how was the roller coaster then of oh my gosh so off broadway couldn't have expected any of what had happened and then boom a broadway thing happened and then a pretty quick closing right in terms of just the the journey of like oh my god way beyond my dreams and then what was that experience of boom and it's over that fast it was so quick it was it was like a month run in like a what 250 seat theater um but it started having like this like you know cultural clout in a way and so when we released the album the sales were crazy crazy and Uh we thought there was always talk of an off-broadway transfer open-ended you know like new world um stage 42 Uh when we closed we didn't think that was our closing we thought we were moving in a week and then it fell through right because it is a little bit of a porous line i mean it's less of a good salary for the actors but the line between a small broadway house and some of those big standing off-Broadway places where you say they can run open-ended. It's not that huge of a difference as an actor in terms yeah. of the experience and, of, of what you're doing. Yeah, and just the idea of it being open-ended because it just felt like the, the the problem was never ticket sales or people being interested in it. So it just felt like stupid that it wasn't being done anywhere. Um, and then they, yeah, you know, your heart just gets, you know, hopes go up, hopes go down. And then they announced the tour and I'm like, yeah, because the 
the people that this show needs to be seen by are you know the families that aren't organized enough right. to come to new york the show isn't made for you know Correct. rich families coming bringing their kids to new york for like a little family fun day so we right. were going it felt Not like it kid. aligned with yeah. this heart of the show to take it on tour and i was like i would do that because i was like I'm not yep. touring. I'm not just going to go tour, but I'm like the lightning thief. Right. I'll freaking tour that. Um, and uh -huh. again, it was always supposed to go to an off Broadway open ended run. Always, 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 always. And then last second mm -hmm. they were like, we're going into the long acre. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I did not make this character for the broadway stage like he's so kind of gay he's crazy uh -huh. he's so he's a big swing of a character uh -huh. Uh -huh. and they're like we're going to broadway with it and i literally panicked i was like oh my god oh my god i don't know if i'm ready to like put this character up mm -hmm. in front of everyone on broadway and i was like should i you know should i make him more of just like a heartthrob hero you know should i make it more of like a, just something more palatable <laughs> to everyone and then i remember being like yolo you only mm -hmm. live once we're going in exactly how we started this and uh, yeah i remember being terrified and just being like reviews might shred me i don't freaking care i'm going in as lanky adhd kind of androgynous young kid trying to save his mom and uh looking back that's like honestly the most tour the like little win of like that i'm most proud of is that i truly just like took a breath and dove hard into maintaining the scrappiness mm -hmm. that we had building the show while it was on broadway because it's terrifying it's terrifying well, and it just highlights how little control we have as actors. Like, you have control over that, of what you want to bring in as, to, you know, what I want to do with the character. But, you know, casting you have no control over and where the show goes or all the money behind it, unless you are choosing to also produce the show as well. Like, you just don't have that control. You don't get to say, no, I don't want to go with the long anchor. You don't have that option. It's, it's you come with it or not. You, the, all you have is the yes or the no. Yeah. And it was, a, you know, just a freaking... A freaking dream, like start to finish, truly like uh, just a freaking dream. I know that's boring to hear, but it really just, just mm -hmm. creatively the the team, how how much I adored our producers, how much they tried to keep ticket prices down so to make it more accessible, mm -hmm. who the show was designed for, mm -hmm. like it just really goes to show that Broadway and theater is not always this like you know, m money hungry, disrespecting our actors. We're working under a thumb of some big producer. It's rarely right. that, to be honest. But Most Broadway producers are not doing that specifically to get rich. Of course, they tend to be money people. But if you choose to be a Broadway producer, it's normally some love that you've got for the art and not just like, I want the money. Give me the no, game. it's like literally, what is it? Sadomasochism? It's literally just like, and, and sometimes there's a little bit of vanity for some of them if I want to, you know, have project and all those things. But I, I think it's not boring at all to hear that it's a dream because I do think we yeah. spend a lot of time trying to make sure people see the ups and downs of a career and see how hard it is, and, you know, see the, because people have the dream of quote unquote Broadway, but 
it's also nice to know that the dream can be wonderful too. I mean, you know, some of that I'm like, obviously the good part's wonderful, but like it's worth mm-hmm. sitting in that for a second and saying, when it hits and you get the thing that you want, it can be amazing and, and a positive experience and not just, you know, oh God, it's so hard and the next one's hard and then you still don't have another job and, you know, all that part of it. Yeah. And I really engineered, I also like want to, it's, I always try to be like, I'm, I'm not just stumbling into this or through this. Like this was all very kind of engineered, like how I trained, yeah. how seeing my brother seven years ahead, how I was like, I don't want the careers of just, you know, bouncing from show to show. I trained exactly for what I wanted. And so then when a show got me and I excelled in the areas of like origination, going hard, taking big swings, being fearless, even under huge, highly visible situations. And then looking back and I'm like, that was exactly what I wanted. It's like kind of hard to like see where it started. You know, it really started like my freshman year of college. Um, So I always like try to urge people to like, be careful what you get good at because you might get hired to do it, you know? (laughs) So it's like, get good at what you truly want to do. And I'm so happy that my career Uh so far has aligned with exactly what I intended to do with my talent. There's something so beautiful about that word intention. You know, we're going to shout, I'm going to shout out Thomas Douglas, who was my voice teacher at Carnegie Mellon, um, who's gotten a lot of shout outs on this podcast. I got to send it to him now. Um, But he always used to say like, when we did something really good, he would stop and go, wait, you did that on purpose, right? Because I think sometimes we would do things, we'd be like, oh, I guess it sounded good, whatever, right? And he really wanted us to line up like, that was on purpose. Like, be clear that that you did that. That really worked. You worked to make that happen. It wasn't just, in, in some ways also he was making his own. It's not just your phenomenal talent and that you are so special and that you, you know, it's not, this isn't something that happened to you. It's something that the work that you did to this point made that thing happen, right? And that lining up kind of your intention with when the result then works to be able to own that and go, this was my intention. My intention was Percy Jackson and it happened. And, and to start that process when you're training to go, it's as opposed to like, I guess it could happen to me. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Like I, I I'm not- now getting into parenting. This is basically now I have a one and a half year old. Yeah. So now it's like, no, it's not because you're smart. It's because you tried hard. It's because you worked hard that you did. Like, what are we complimenting? What are we rewarding? Yeah. And it's very easy to like, look at certain, you know, timelines and just be like, oh, that happened, you know, um, but. Or, or you're so talented and therefore it's, it, it just happened to you as opposed to, but you, at the top of any field, the top of sports, top of art, you also worked hard. There's nobody who's just born with it and does no work. Like some people have to work harder, of course, and some people are born with maybe more God-given ability, but all the people who you look up to admire have some kind of work ethic, even if in your case, it's only in the shower, but still. <laughs> um, and sustainability. I'm like, I, I always push that too. Like as much about it is working hard, it's also taking care of yourself and respecting yourself for sustainability so it's like sometimes i prepare just three hours before an audition because that's all i I, all i got and also that's a whole other combo but yes and then what about post percy jackson was there uh, like what were the conversations with representatives or what in terms of your next intention was there a big next step um in terms of how how Chris is going to um, try to move in the world. I mean, that you have now checked off a huge um, bucket list thing, right? And then 
are you thinking about what is the next big public thing that I do? Or how are you thinking about how do I move forward? In <laughs> giving away my secrets. <laughs> well, um, that's what you do on your TikTok. You give away all your secrets. Let's give away more. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, the the big thing, you know, I I feel like I showed that, you know, I can handle the creative process. I can handle originating. I can handle, you know, kind of holding a yeah. show through its life. Yeah. Um, so the ne- the, the the we played the next Evan Hansen. I wanted to I wanted to work with like top tip top top talent, huge money, uh-huh. originating, developing it in Chicago for a few months. Bringing I wanted to, I wanted originating on a new hit. Uh-huh. Not a whoops. This is this came from off Broadway to Broadway, exactly. but this is intended to Broadway. That, exactly. That kind of yeah. So like. I wanted the creative process that Evan Hansen had and the success Evan Hansen had, but uh, Mm -hmm. a new show, a new role Mm -hmm. that I could really be in the DNA of. You're saying wanted. Is this no longer a want? Um, I just, just with the pandemic, it's like we got all put on hold. So I'm just thinking about right when I left. I'm just saying. Can we re-spark? Can we re-spark the fan the flame? Oh, it's sparked. To, this is what's coming next year. Let's just come on. Why no, not? It's, it's definitely sparked. We're just, uh, yeah, it's hard to go. We're, we're just adding some oxygen. We're, to we're slowly getting really back into the, the hardcore ring. Um, yeah, so that was always, always the aim. And then there was also a big push for, like, we got to get you on TV film, TV film, TV film. Uh-huh. And I was always kind of blurry on that. I'm like, okay, maybe. And then during the pandemic, I was in LA for eight months of it and on accident. But uh, one of the biggest things that I learned from the pandemic is just how kind of uninterested artistically I am in TV and film. So I like kind of reaffirmed my clarity and my Mm -hmm. love for theater and like, what is next? It's all, all sales. I mean, something we talk a lot about of, if you if you are not clear on your intention, your your representatives will always push you toward TV. Yes, stuff. that'll just be the natural gravity. It's just like there is more money, more realistic, sustainable money that's going to happen for them on a Netflix show than there's going to be on Broadway. Even the top end Broadway pay, it's just not the 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 same level that they. And can it is reach such a different craft. Like I I giggle now when people you know these music theater schools are like you take one class in TV and then every kid graduating is like Senior I'm also year. very interested in pursuing TV and film. I'm like, it's a whole different craft. It's literally like yeah, complete like <laughs> I took a peek into the mechanics of it and was like. Oh, that is too much to figure out for me. I'm I'm staying in my lane. I mean, not unlike how you might feel if an LA actor was like, "I guess let's try Broadway. Let's try it." And you're like, "There's a lot of work I've been doing to get don't to this even point. get me started." Yeah. Yes, and how people just gloss over and they're like, "Oh, I know how to act. Put me put me on Broadway." I'm like, I'm "Good sorry. the frick luck. Good luck. Good the um, frick luck. Good um, the." let's use that as a a toss to a break we'll run an ad or two and then we're going to come back and chat about tiktok this is what people have scrolled to this point in the episode this is what they really want to hear we'll do that on the back end of the break 
All right, we are back from break with Chris McCarroll. We both have Coke Zeros in hand. This, uh, hopefully the ad that we just ran was not for Pepsi or something, um, but we're just <laughs> doing our best here. But can we talk about TikTok? Because I will say, Chris, having, despite having originated a lead role on Broadway, when all of our students saw you at Unifieds, and let's be honest, a shocking number of our parents too, they didn't say, oh my God, that's Chris McCarroll from Lightning Thief. They were like, that's Chris McCarroll from TikTok. Like all of them. Like they were like, oh my God, I follow him. Oh my God. Like it was like you were the biggest celebrity all because of TikTok. So I'm going to ask, what inspired this from you? You know, maybe specifically TikTok, I want to get into some of the mechanisms of it, but also just like what inspired the impulse to share these granular and specific tips online because I'm going to say, from my experience in scrolling and the little social media I've consumed, this is way less so self-promotional than most accounts I see, right? This is not like you mostly singing and then, oh, here's a tip or two, or here's a tip that leads me to my coaching. It, it almost all is like me giving away the gold, giving away the juice, right? You could just watch the TikTok and learn something. So what inspired that? I guess I'd love to hear uh, about that. Um, Something happens. It was... Something happens when you get a little older, around 30, and all your friends experience it, we all experienced it together, where usually people start thinking about having kids, you know, it, there's something uh, where just being self-serving and being in the, the rat race that is just helping yourself and trying to get ahead and playing the game and playing the game, the idea of recommitting to that for another decade just uh-huh. doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound fun at all. So um, my way was, I was like, I'm going to start like putting an eye on the next generation coming up and seeing what they need and like start supporting like the next generation. Cause I think it's a responsibility if you've done well. Um, if you've had kind of like the insider scoop to see exactly what is needed, what is being mm-hmm. utilized, um, to pass the baton on in a way. Um, so, but I would say that I think leads a lot of people to teaching. I think I totally agree with the impulse that you yeah. had, which many people have of going, I want to give back. I want to give something back now, but often also I want some sustainability for myself economically. And so do I have this side business that also kind of works for me as a vocal coach or a teacher, or maybe I teach at a university, right? But what led to the TikTok of it all? What led to the, I mean, give it, give it away. Um, you know? <laughs> it all started, my friend gave me the idea. Um, because I found this TikTok and it was like, you should have no tension in your voice ever. And I was like, oh my God, shut up. And so I posted mm-hmm. that video on Instagram and then I listed every vocal technique that required tension and who, what big mm-hmm. singer uses it that we know. And I was basically breaking down how you need tension to sound modern. And my friend was like, this isn't an mm-hmm. Instagram story. This is a TikTok. This is a TikTok. And I was mm-hmm. like, LOL, can you imagine? And so I just made a draft once of like a vocal tip and I put uh-huh. it out and the second one got like 50,000 hits. So I was like, then it just mm-hmm. became easy. I was like, oh, if that gooped you, I got a whole ton of stuff. Uh-huh. And so it just became this thing. And then I just followed the natural... I really came at it as like support, you know, and then I just followed where people 
needed it. People were like, do you do coachings? You'd be a great teacher. Da, da, da. So I just followed mm -hmm. it. So I opened up some coachings and then that happened. Um, and then being at Pearl Studios, like every Sunday and Saturday now, um, that's how I figured, found out about the fund. But all, it, all of mm -hmm. the energy was just, where am I needed within this next generation? Um, to just help a little bit. It's treacherous. Other than the um, coaching, which of course you can monetize to some extent, are you thinking about monetizing, or maybe have you already monetized the TikTok itself? Something one of our, our former MTCA students, who's now a big TikTok star, has talked about successfully having monetized his TikTok, though it's, that becomes its own thing. Is that something that you, you are considering? Money's always hard. Because anything you put money on changes the vibe of it, of doing it, makes it less fun, makes it feel like a job, puts pressure on it when it's not going well. Mm -hmm. It feels like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I, like I currently pay my rent through my coachings um, that I do mm -hmm. in the city. So that's kind of my way to like monetize it. I don't even like that word, but it's just support myself, right. just baseline support by giving away something of much more value than what it is um but no i don't want to get into the game of like being trying to get millions of hits on my videos and, right. and now you're going to be using a belt box and belt box will be giving you money or something like that no that's not happening right of that i don't even want to get into that game i have a very clear Tag this episode March 8th. A couple months from now, we're just going to check back L -L in. To see how, well, there'll be a belt box on Chris's. Let's be honest. When we see it, we'll be like, mm, there it is. There's a Fontis lozenge. I'm We've like, seen that before. Uh, oh, like yeah. uh, this post is sponsored by ibuprofen and <laughs> no cough drops and a shot. <laughs> this is by showers, by me taking a shower. Um, what about, so you, you obviously, your friend told you, hey, you should be going to TikTok. Were you then consuming TikTok yourself? Like, how did you, because I think you seem from my very limited understanding of social media but you seem to have really gotten the style it may have been natural for you of what tiktok is even with like the literal technical like these quick cut edits and jumps and like to me that's i've only seen that on tiktok or maybe now on instagrams that are copying tiktoks but but like how did you figure out the mechanics of it for maybe some of our people who are like i'd want to create but i don't kind of know how that would happen yes yes i was definitely on tiktok and then I was so annoyed at all the content trying to give tips for music theater. I was like, you guys are so far mm -hmm. off. I don't even know where to start. Um, and then naturally, like my DNA, I was kind of set up for this. I've been waiting. Oh my gosh. I have been waiting for things to get a little more chaotic and messy, like for that to be in style. And so people want really mm -hmm. hard hitting information mm -hmm. from people not just being a polished professional version of themselves, but just like really throwing down how they think and what they know. Um, so the actual style, the tone of it was so in my DNA. Um, and you really throw it to the wind because growing up uh -huh. like social media, it was a very polished version of that was very likable, hireable, uh -huh. dateable. And TikTok, I'm like, I'm never gonna be hired again. I'm never gonna date mm. again. <laughs> and I'm never gonna be liked again. You know, you gotta go in with just that, toss it to the wind. It truly feels like you're 
blowing yes. up your entire reputation. I was worried about like my agent seeing it. I was worried about casting seeing it. I was worried about, yes. you know, other actors seeing it. And something coming out of the pandemic, I'm like, I got nothing to lose. So I just came in being like, this is all bullshit. Start thinking like this. Start thinking like that. That's so vanilla and annoying. Yeah. I, You just, it's a very different game than what our parents were taught and even what millennials were doing. It's okay, how dare you don't throw the word millennials out there. Like it's a bad thing. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, there's just a lack of professionality. Yes. To no, be it's, but it, it's, it's something that makes it such a hit for you. I mean, I, my first experience is my first thought watching your TikTok videos was, Oh my God, the camera angle you've chosen is like aggressively under the chin. And I don't know if that's just because like you are so skinny and so you can pull that off, but it felt like, I was like, I kept, I just not used to seeing that on like Instagram or whatever. Like you would have the, uh, you know, cut looking down on me, attractive angle of my face. I'm getting all like waddle from you. It's all just full <laughs> gobble gobble under the neck, but it's work. It's like, makes it feel more raw and truthful. And like, it's just like a person talking. They didn't set this up to make it be some, you know, beautiful video. There's something so cool about that. Yeah, I really don't think about it at all. Like, I just care about what I'm saying. Everything I'm else, and it's like, it's literally because it takes less effort to like keep uh -huh. my phone below me. And I feel like if anyone saw me through my window with like my right. hand up, I would look like an uh, influencer. So I'm like, yeah. I don't want to look like an influencer. I just want to keep my phone like I'm reading the text, but I'm recording yeah. a video. I don't know. No, there's something so cool about that. Yeah. Um, but what about, I, I've noticed like tonally in the videos, I mean, there's such great information, um, but it does seem like, and I don't know if this is a TikTok thing, you are giving an element of like fun certitude. You know, it's very fun, but but it's like, uh, sometimes it sounds like this is this. Do you ever feel like you're worried about like, you know, the, the thing that I, I would think is like, okay, but I have to equivocate this. I have to say, except for some singers, which this might not be true, except for like, there's no except for, for you. You know, it seems like it's often, even as I heard you like reading the, you know, tips you learned from Unified. So like, this is all great information, but I have so many footnotes to be like, well, that's sometimes true, but in 2022, that would have been true, but actually I wouldn't necessarily put it in that order. You know, it's like, how do you, there's some, I guess a confidence or a bravery to put that out there and be like, yeah, some people are going to, be able to pick nits with me. Um, is that something you think about when you're doing it, especially vocally where you're like, there's so much knowledge and people have different opinions and you didn't say that perfectly. Oh, I'm so aware of that. Um, it really goes back to from listening to philosophers speak like Alan Watts. He's like, you do know I talk in much bolder claims than what is real, but that's the only way to get your yeah. attention. That's the only way to like yeah. wake people up. If we get bogged down in you know, thinking that you're going to get sued if someone's like, well, that actually uh -huh. didn't work for me. Like it's, you won't uh -huh. get anything out there. You won't be heard. You won't make an impact. And how I consume content is that's known. I know that like that's right. Right. You know, there's an, in my opinion, hanging around your, yes. your neck always. Yeah. Always, 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 always. I think a lot of people consume information with that, awareness as well and the people who don't i'm like with the in my opinion come on like yeah. of course like anytime people are like well da, 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 i'm like well of course of course yeah. of course of course um but yes of course it's something i have been accused of personally so much by both my partner and my best friend have often accused me of saying things as if they were factually <laughs> true when they're not and i always feel like i'm like 
of course it's not factually true. I'm venturing an opinion. This couldn't be a fact. But that's like, you have this low voice and you're this giant guy. And so when you say, I, I think it feels nice today, or whatever you're saying it like, it's like, it is true. Nice <laughs> is true. Um, it's something I've become so conscious of. I've tried to now like, well, actually, let me, let me, let's make it clear that this is, I'm stating this opinion. Um, it was something, something refreshing to see people just be like, yeah, this is obviously my opinion and yeah. I'm saying it. I mean, well, a proud. lot of people are doing, it's kind of like the spirit of TikTok a little bit too. It's kind of like, uh, you can come for me if you want, but I'm saying this. <laughs> now I'm going to be aware of that. But yes, no, no, I I also... now I'm going to be hyper-conscious of it. It's great. It's great. It's, it's just something I know. And I'm, I'm really not a consumer of TikTok. So that's what part of me is maybe realizing, oh, this is what's making this successful on TikTok in a way that it just would never be said that way in a classroom. Right. You know, because it, the tone is different. The media is different. You know? Right. Um, and it's also breaking down the fragility around this art form. Like, uh-huh. that's what I really came in swinging with, too. I'm like, all the how I think about music theater is like painting. And it's like, uh-huh. like imagine like a painter being like, well, be careful. You might get carpal tunnel if you paint, if you do pointillism uh-huh. too much. It's like, of course, if your wrist starts hurting, stop. Can we get back to the painting? <laughs> and like, there's so much more to talk about. If you throw away uh-huh. the fragility and polish that this art form has kind of created from the educational process and get back into like the dirtiness of it. And, uh-huh. you know, it's, uh, the that's boring. That's exciting. You know, it really, I was like, I want to be like the hungover painting teacher that has like paint in his eyebrows from the night before where he was manically painting at 3am. I want to be that for my voice yeah. students. Um, well, and it seems like you're trying to lead with it. I mean, this is from watching uh, a number of videos, though I have not seen the whole oeuvre uh, of the thing. But it seems like you're also trying to kind of break down like that all this knowledge only lives at certain institutions. There's only learnable in certain ways. I mean, I think that's something that sometimes people think if you didn't go to one of those institutions. And then when you do, you're like, no, it's just the same crap. I mean, there's, you know, yes, they teach it well. And yes, there's, it can be really nice to be somewhere for four years to f- study your craft. But it's not like the knowledge is some secret thing that you can only get while you're 19 years old at this school, right? It's not, it's not like there's a secret, you know, treasure chest that is only accessible at one of these universities. There's something cool about seeing it just there in yeah. your in your feet. It's not so much the, it's the attention. You know, that's what you really get from paying people in school. It's someone with a high taste level mm-hmm. looking and caring about you, Staring getting you. better. You know. That's like oh. truly the thing that's like locked up. It's like people's attention at you. Um, but yes. there's not like some little PDF where if it got leaked, everyone right. would know what's up. Yeah. Then, oh no, all the trade secrets. Yeah. It's something that's, yeah. I often talk about that when our students are stressed about the amount of attention, maybe from their coaches, from their parents, you know, and then of course, when they're about to go to school is just like, you're really going to miss it. As soon as you get out of school, you really miss like somebody stares at me and cares about my improvement as much as mm-hmm. I care about my improvement. It is, that's yeah. a really special thing. Yeah. To have many smart people staring at you and really and how do you how do you come in bold enough confident enough and secretly cocky enough to not use that as a crutch Uh where if that was taken away you would still be as bold and fearless as when you have all that attention around you yep totally that's really important
Now, given this incredible success that you have had, which really, I mean, you have to think numerically, the success you've had on TikTok is shocking, right? In terms of like, not shocking that you could pull it off, but just in terms of the now millions of people, multiple millions of people have viewed your videos, which is like way more than saw the entire run of Lightning Fever, the entire run of Les Mis for the years you were doing it, right? Like, what is that? How do you reckon with that of like, more people are seeing me in my three minutes under chin waddle than are seeing the fully prepped performance that I spent weeks rehearsing. Like, what does that feel like as an actor who obviously you trained for theater, not trained for, you know, mm-hmm. three minute TikToks? Uh, yes, I have, ne- <laughs> I have truly never been more famous in my life, which is such, it's not something I really looked for, but I get stopped more on the street now than I ever have in my entire life uh which was never the point at all but it's the way that people interact with me in person that i'm like this is right because like Mm -hmm. fans from seeing me on stage there's kind of this like you know starry-eyed like oh my god i Uh, love you i love you you were so good you're like not human it's kind of like this inhumanity But people who come up to me, they have such this like warm, like thank you groundedness that it actually like really freaking lights me up. Like kind of Mm -hmm. not the community that I'm building, but just the interaction uh, feels much warmer and heartfelt Mm -hmm. that when I like see it face to face, like I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted to do i wanted to help people like you i wanted to mm-hmm. at least be a voice and they just freaking get it yeah like the amount of people that so just cool. get what i'm saying is amazing has it changed your consumption habits like now that you create do you look differently at how you consume other people's work uh, and i also may, i mean both the consumption of other like tiktoks but also like how do you now consume your own numbers and analytics and like, are there compare and despairs of like, Oh my God, why did that, this person's video get 2 million? My God, a hundred thousand, you know, is there any of that in your consumption of TikTok? No, I, I find it really fascinating and I'm not like, you know, I'm not like trying some people just, it's like, you know, just bigger, 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 bigger. I'm like, I'm, I'm totally fine with. Well, bigger, bigger, if you're trying to monetize it, right? If you're trying to say like, I'm trying to become a professional right. TikTok and live off of this, then you need to grow, you know. In, in the- right, right, right. So like the strategy, you know, differs with how big you're trying to get. But what I find really fascinating is the type of information I put out uh-huh. versus how well it does is so telling. Cause I just think, oh, people really uh-huh. needed that. Like that was a hot spot that was needed. Um, and honestly, my more complex stuff that I actually feel like is really freaking super, super yes. valuable yep. that no one will freaking figure out and tell you does less well than just the stuff that I'm like, oh, this is basic. Like stop, stop starting yes. words on vowels while you're singing. And that was absolutely like, my observation. The stuff that what? I was like, oh, that's really interesting was the stuff that was least viewed. Like when I would look, click through it and be like, oh, this one's got a million views, millions. I'm like, okay, great. But most of that was like pretty basic. The stuff that I was like, that's really smart. It had like 30,000 views. I was like, what? how's that fair? Well, yeah. Seems... Yeah. People don't want their vegetables, I guess. They want the, the delicious dessert. So I find, well, and it's also the demographic, you know, when you're in high school or middle school, it's like, uh, what are you freaking right. talking about? And like, maybe the 10,000 people that saw that that's were the right. 10,000 people in New York that needed right. it. So I'm like great 
so I find that really interesting. But no, I'm not in the whole game of like, you know, there's such a culture right now of just like social media strategy, mm -hmm. optimization, bigger, 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 bigger. This is literally like my outreach department. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is just well, in like... some ways maybe helping you be, become more successful that you're not because I think you can sniff those things so easily. Anytime we've gotten kind of marketing advice, I'm like, God, but it feels like marketing. Ugh, I just like, I, you don't, nobody yeah. likes something that feels marketing. It just feels gross and doesn't feel authentic yeah. and all that. Do you feel like, uh, did you have any big learnings from the experience of, this is what, two years of doing this? Something like that? Uh, one year. Only one year? Not even a year. Not even, my God. Okay, so in this year of doing this, what have you learned? What, what do you know oh now God. that you didn't know a year ago about the TikTok of it all? Oh my gosh. I have so, I wish I could make a tip on making TikToks. Yes, this is what we want. We want this tip. I'm but I'm like, that doesn't really go with like, I don't, I never want it to be too self-aware, but I really came at it. My, I'm like giving away my secrets, <laughs> secrets behind the secrets, but I really identify people's insecurities within the art form. And I secretly try to make that feel better. So I always like search for pain points in myself, in the industry, and then somehow give tips and advice that by the end you go, oh my gosh, that felt chaotic. He kind of it kind of felt hard hitting. It, oh, I can't believe he's saying that. But secretly, I feel better about something that I was insecure about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what makes my content travel further and also have cut. But people are like, I love it. Like mm -hmm. it feels warm, even though you're yelling mm -hmm. at me. <laughs> Uh, as my experience, absolutely. You feel warm, even though it's harsh. There's a harshness yes, to it. Yes, because secretly warm. the harshness is to make you feel better about an insecurity in yeah. a lot of them. Stop, stop beating yourself up. Yeah. Wake up. <laughs> and then also like, ugh, because you'll know when you've hit a pain point or an insecurity and you didn't treat it with enough attention because the backlash mm -hmm. is fragile and it's much more treacherous water than you think. Because I've just talked about stuff and if you just miss the mark a little bit the backlash like you got a few comments and people are like eh, 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 eh. so you got to be really freaking aware and like three steps ahead of like pain points because if people are insecure or angry about something and you just touch on it and just keep talking like bah, 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 it's not a big deal they're like you're so unaware of something that really affects my life so i try to be really aware of like Oh, noted. What is a pain point? I mean, if, if I don't know that word what, or that, that term, what, what do you mean uh, as an example of a kind of pain um, like, like writers or um, like people in straight theater programs feel like music uh -huh. theater outshines their program. So if I talk about like how singing is, uh, singing requires more structure than a monologue there's going to be backlash mm -hmm. being like, no, straight mm -hmm. acting is also hard. I'm like, of course, straight acting is hard. But like, it's like I missed a pain point. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Totally makes sense. Yep. You mean, yes, people's specific insecurities or their hangups. Yeah. You'll, if you hit it, you're going to. Or a writer, actors keep changing my lines. So me talking about mm -hmm. like, you don't have to say every line perfectly. Writers are going to zoom uh -huh. in and be like, stop. And you're like, this isn't for you, writers. Get off my take. <laughs> um, what about, um, I, I know you're also, we talked about in your bio, the expertise with concerts is something that you've done a lot of. Um, wh what have you learned from that experience, from putting on a, a solo show? It seems in some ways like a TikTok, but just 
much longer, right? The same charisma and fun that's got to happen in storytelling just now over the course of, a, of an hour or whatever. Um, what has that experience been? Freaking fun. Like my solo shows, I really think of them, I approach them like concerts um, and I put a ton of priority on the the sound experience you know it's like meaning diff different different styles different, different styles and there's not a lot and sometimes the there is a music it, theater right. section um but like spending a ton like i get the best of the best when it comes to like arrangers music directors the band like mm -hmm. i find like the more of a musical experience that feels like the nightlife of new york musically the more mm -hmm. successful and then i you know string together a structure but I've learned a lot from like, you know, I do my own thing and then I'll go to a, another show and I'm like, why is this not a party? Like no one's screaming, no uh -huh. one's, and I'm like, uh -huh. oh, I really do structure mine to be a party and then people respond accordingly. But the biggest uh -huh. thing, I, I, it's like, you have to get out of college recital. Oh my God, y'all, we gotta move past uh -huh. it. We can and that means what? That means like like showing off myself vocally? Where, Is that the, the big mistake I'd make if I'm trying to redo a college recital? Where I'm like aware of your types. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like I sing Lizzo and like Harry Styles at my concerts. And like, I'm like, like imagine if I just did like Pippin, Giants in the Sky. I'm like, oh my God, this is not for teachers. Like, who's your demographic, basically? It's like your teacher should not be your demographic of your concert. That's really smart. I watched Elizabeth do this, and she's been a lot of concerts the past couple of years of like, depending on, yeah, depending on who was throwing it, basically the age group, how much of what kind of pop is going to be in it. Like, it can't be too much modern pop if they're all over 60. It's like, what are they going to want to hear? And what are yeah. they going to want to dance to? What are they going to want to go? Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. Like, Joni Mitchell might fit in every show, but some things don't, you know, because it's like this 20 year olds don't want to hear this or six year olds don't want to hear this. Yeah. But I've learned a yeah, ton from it, just what hits in that environment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would just say that. Well, and you know, you hate the word monetize, but of course, this is another way that you know that TikTok mm -hmm. could help help continue to sell sell those shows, right? That like just in growing your, God forbid, brand or growing your aware people's awareness of you, that is something that eventually you know we, you can <laughs> turn into. I know, sustainable. Yeah, living. concerts. Especially if you don't want to do TV and film, because it's hard if you don't want. Yeah, to Yeah, there's so much freaking work. Um, let's get to our game and for our regular listeners we're we have a rarity here normally of course i kind of host a game that our listeners have to now participate in and i mean our listeners that our our guest has to participate in often me giving them trivia or various things but our wonderful producer megan has created a game for chris and i to play against each other yeah this is gonna go terribly for both of us we're just setting this up the expectations are low chris and i are both gonna struggle but i'm gonna struggle more Almost certainly. So I pass this off to you, Megan, to lead the game. The game. And Charlie is a little unsure about how we are playing this game. So it's even better. You, you better believe completely it. Completely in the dark. I love it. I have a document on this that's attached to a document that I don't have access to. I keep going clicking and go, can I see what my will favorite. happen? So it's my favorite when I don't give you <laughs> access to documents. But I'm calling this game Good Kids at Empty Tables. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, oh, <laughs> and we will be playing oh, no. <laughs> clips of good kid and empty chairs at empty tables. And you will be tasked with naming who is singing. 
Oh, no. um, I will play the clip. If you have an idea, you can raise your hand because our listeners will play along at home to see if they can <laughs> right. name we'll these people. Yeah. Um, they may Charlie stop pulling up examples of who no. Has I literally done the show. Was, no. I literally was googling. All right, I was trying to cheat already. Megan caught me. I literally. I just want to have enough. <laughs> I've young... with Charlie <laughs> enough to know when he's like reading an email when I'm talking to him. I don't even have a cheat. It was just trying to come up with like young musical theater performers. I'm just like, who's 22 to 26? Because I'm like, I'm worried. Like Jeremy Jordan is my most recent uh, example. I'm like, I'm in trouble if they're young. Well, Charlie's no. losing. All right, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Here we go. This is gonna be embarrassing. <laughs> Are we ready for our first person? Schools in six years, been kicked out of every place. Everything I ever do is wrong. Never find where I belong. Everybody on my kid. Okay, Charlie has his hand raised. Do you have a I'm gonna guess Colton Ryan. He's gotta be in this game somewhere, right? And I did look for him, oh. but he is not, unfortunately not one of the answers. So I'll, I'll save you okay, some great. grief. Great. Okay, great. I'll give you the first clue. He's from your alma mater? Charlie. Oh God, that's embarrassing. Okay, okay, okay. Can you play it again, and now I'm gonna okay. lose it with this. This is piano. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Yes, Chris. Oh, oh, oh wait, darn it, darn it! Now I know because he started to say it. You go, Cor- Corey Cott. Ding, 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 ding. Dang it! Dang it! Dang it! He sang that before me. That. I remember looking that up to learn the song. You had Corey Cott in the shower with you. My God. In the shower. Before the shower, I was listening to Corey Cott. I literally what went to school it? with Corey. I should have known that. We played on the same intramural football team together. And oh yet... my gosh, of course. Football at CMU. <laughs> that was the only one I had a chance at getting, basically. That was my <laughs> one I could have gotten. Well, you may get this next one if you, you know, use your knowledge. Yes. Dang it. Chris. Sam Light. Oh my God. Ding. This is. And friend of the pod. These are two I had a chance at. Megan, Bondage. you gave me two I had a chance at, and I didn't. It's okay. Either. I'm like, not many people have sung Good Kid, have they? Well, we're about to see how many. And I, I think I may have them all listed here. <laughs> Suspense. I've got a pre guest loaded. Don't worry. I've got it. Colton Ryan. No, Charlie. <laughs> I like that. We have backup this time. Oh, so this is out of college. Maybe, maybe not. Or Robert Kiki again. Wait, is this Rob Rokiki? No, no, I was trying to. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been great. No, I didn't find Rob. Singing. Rob has a beautiful voice, by the way. He does. Everyone heard him sing. He's a gorgeous voice. Oh, give us a clue. Can we get a clue? Yes. Um, he is part of Team Understudy. We didn't have more than one. He part of team, not necessarily of Percy. I should say he's part of Team Understudy. Oh, is he? Yeah, it is. That's what Izzy sounds like singing "Good Kid." I've only heard him do uh, Grover stuff. Oh my God, go off, Izzy. You better go yeah, off. I'll send you the clip to get the, the full experience. I love that. Our next person. They all sound so good. They all sound great. Yes, Chris. Is that Mike from BW in my production? Yes, you got oh, it. Yes, I love good for him. You. Chris just directed uh, 
lightning thief last year at BW. So, or Playhouse Square. Yeah. Say. And, and the fastest one he knew, which is good. That's he's a generous director. He immediately knew his own cast. I, I heard that. I was like, ah, I know that. My God. Chris, you're destroying us at this game. You're doing great. You said you weren't going to do well. You did really well. You've knowing these well. Well, it's there's just not too many to pick for. I've heard most of these in person. I'm going to have more of a chance at Empty Chairs. I feel like I'm going to have more of a chance there. Yes. Do you have me in high school singing it, uh, Megan? Is that on there? Wouldn't that be yes. good? Yes. Oh, my God. I would YouTube die. Empty chairs. I'm embarrassed of like how much of a YouTube hole I went into finding these videos. It's definitely so not on YouTube. This is before video existed. There was a video of you singing it. I would have found it, but I did not. It's a different time. As my voice was changing. It was rough. Okay. Who is this person? Yes, Charlie. I'm going to guess Chris Peluso. No. Oh, come on. Not Chris Kapusa. I was just trying to make a podcast connection of someone. Oh, I know. I freaking know. Ugh. Is it Jonas? It is. It's Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas. Was he on the podcast? Nick Jonas? <laughs> he's on a Map in the College Edition podcast. He's yes. coming next season, guys. Oh, that. He's our 100th guest. Tune in. He's our secret 100th guest that we're, uh, we're that we are, plugging. We are plugging. A special exactly. guest. Okay, Josh Groban. Eh, not this one. Okay, sounds like a Tony Award. Okay, I'll get the... Skip ahead. Wait, that is me. That's absolutely me. <laughs> sounds like me. It's almost Andy, but not. Okay, not guessing Andy? Yeah. You sure? Yes, the hand is raised. The guess is Andy. Andy? It is. It is. It is? Oh, come on. That's another one. I, I don't remember that low note. He's really pumping out that was, low note. Yeah, yeah, that's why I thought no. it was me. It sounded like Mom. maybe Maybe on this Thursday evening, whenever this Yeah, like, maybe that's what it sounded like in the like house. There was applause <laughs> happening. There was whatever. Yeah. That's Andy, Andy Mantis is who we're guessing. Yes. Who I, went, I grew up with. I should have gotten this answer. Yeah. You grew up with Andy? Yeah, we did high school theater together back in the day. Pittsburgh, right? Ugh, okay. I, didn't, I, sh I should have made that connection that he did it. Damn it, damn it. All right, Charlie. All right. Focus on the I got this one. one, I got this you one. You got this I'm not going over 9. I can't go over 9. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's not a good showing. Oof. Empty table. Now my friends oh. are dead. Yes, Charlie. That's Josh Groban. Yes! 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 I almost guessed myself. I almost guessed oh, myself. Good. Okay, this is our last one. No. Yes, Charlie. Kelly O'Hara. No. <laughs> I love how scared you were to get there. Is that a reasonable guess? My clue for um, this person is what she was in Flower Drum Song with friend of the pod, Telly Leon. Leia Salonga? Yes. yes. Oh, how fun. I've never heard that. Well, congratulations, Chris. You did 
significantly better than Charlie, but you did have a little bit of head start, you know, delving yourself into the material. But you got all the ones I could have gotten. You got all the people I knew. I, I was I was definitely catering it somewhat towards your knowledge, but alas, you got it a little bit. <sighs> oh, all right, congratulations. Embarrassing. Me Googling young musical theater yeah. performers did not end up helping. The fact that that is just pulled up is funny. Um, Chris, this was fantastic. Thank you for playing this game with us. One thing I wanted to talk as we we're wrapping up here, um, a little bit about TFCA, um, the wonderful fun for the college edition. So you mentioned through Pearl Studios magically, you got involved with Alan and with TFCA. How did that happen? And then and tell me a little bit about your work um, with them. So I was in Pearl Studios because I coach there every Saturday and Sunday now. And I saw MTCA was on the freaking board. And now oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I knew I never met any of y'all. I like met Ellen real quick once, but I was like, kind of, you know, I'm like, well, I'm like in this game, I'm more adjacent to that. I want to just go say hi. I'd be like, you know, we're, we're on, we're doing similar things. And I see Amy Linden, who uh, is from Cleveland and is one of the vocal techs, is that what you call them? Vocal techs vocal tech, yep. at uh, MTCA. And so I was like, hey, da, 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 da. and I'm like, yeah, I'm coaching now. And um, and I was like, how is Ellen doing? Because I was, because I knew of Ellen. Ellen was always just mm-hmm. this like mysterious, cool lady. And I met her real quick once. So I was just going to like say hi. Uh, and she's like, well, she actually works for the fund for college auditions. And I'm like, what is that? And I look, she explained that it's Ellen's new, like, child. Uh, it's, it's a new. Not so new anymore. It's been running for a couple of years yeah. now. But yeah. Uh, nonprofit. And the kids sweep every year. And they're all underrepresented from low income backgrounds. And I was like, shut mm-hmm. up. That is number one so needed and so exciting mm-hmm. to me and so i sprinted into ellen's inbox and i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god tell me everything about the fund and we got on a zoom call and i had like i was like i want to be like boots on the ground helping like anyway and so mm-hmm. i got we like kind of talked a little bit and I was given ideas and fundraising ideas and where I could see it going and da, 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 da. we just kind of like started brainstorming about it together and she's like you need to be on the board and like we need to, you need to be like part of this so I'm now like a board member and me and Ellen are like brainstorming like where this nonprofit can go and just what so it can cool. accomplish and I freaking adore its mission and just how freaking successful it is it's just like so it's just so fun to be like this is so necessary to the point that it's like laughably (laughs) just they just sweep when they come in it's just so exciting we're right now at the time of year where ellen texts us every time a tfca student gets into school and it's like Here's this, here's this, here's this. And some amazing, amazing results, which we won't reveal any of the public people and results yet since they haven't made their choices yet. But um, there's some, yeah. you know, just talk about some of the schools that all said no to you. I mean, understandable. Um, yeah. are, all, are all, they're just crushing. To your point of you saying sweeping, it's, it's really exciting. And what do you think, what are the next, as you brainstorm, like where does mm-hmm. it scale? I and mean, we had Ellen on, I think two years ago to chat a little bit about where it had been and where it was going. But, but where, what is the next sort of steps for the, the TFCA? 
I think the next step is how do we use the organization to really make changes that affect everyone, not just our few scholars that we have every year. Um, and Ellen is uh -huh. just, right. I can't think of anyone who has more of a knowledge yeah. of simple, easy changes that we could make to this process to make it more equitable and accessible yes. uh, to everyone, not ju just people reach out to us. Yep. Um, so I could, I see it really getting into kind of like activism right. and uh, um, yeah. petitioning coalitions, you know, uh, there's, there's so much more structural change, getting more schools on board, being like, here's the issue. It costs $50 to apply to your school plus a whatever pre-screen, but times that by 20, because that's what these kids are doing. It's not just your school. It's times it, at times everything you charge by 20 at least. And these kids that Amy Allen finds are so extraordinary, but the whole point is like, you shouldn't have to be so extraordinary. Like that, like everybody should be able to train and study this if this is what they want to do, you know? Um, it's like yeah. the old Chris Rock joke of like, I'm amazing. My place is amazing. Like, and I'm like famous and so successful and my life is great. And the guy, my neighbor is a dentist. <laughs> like to be, to be extraordinary, you shouldn't have to be so extraordinary to get to uh, find that level of success. You should be able to just be a person who's has talent and wants to train and wants to get better and, and then continue to be able to do that at, at the college level. Yeah. Um, let's wrap with just, you've given uh, so much advice away on TikTok already. My God, some of it today, but um, if I had a young artist um, that I'm working with, or maybe who's listening to this podcast who says, I want to be Chris McCarroll when I grow up. I want to be, I want to go to Baldwin Wallace and have his wonderful, successful career. What advice would you give to that young person? How, how do they achieve being uh, um, a Chris McCarroll? Oh my gosh. Um, I would say the biggest thing to, to everyone, I mean, to everyone, everyone I know who comes into New York and really feels like they have instincts and really get stuff done. You have to swing through the fricking ball with your training. Oh, see, this is because I said football. You're using a baseball analogy now. I said, um, see, this is Chris modulating. He's using more sports now. I was thinking golf. Oh, oh okay. Fine, fine. But swinging through the ball where we're using – sometimes people get so tripped up in just the game and the strategy of college that they think that that skill yes. is the skill that – is going to make you work later. And it's mm -hmm. not, it's a whole different environment in New York. So um, I had my brother, you know, that I was looking at that was seven years ahead. So I was preparing mm -hmm. for that and using school to prepare for New York. Uh -huh. But that requires knowing New York. So that requires like, you know, maybe finding network, I don't know, but find boots on the ground in New York explore their life and then use your training to set you up for success in that environment. Um, mm. And it's not going to come from your teachers. It's not. This art form changes every single day. Everyone is guessing. Everyone is sprinting to keep up to an art form that is just lying on. So your instincts of how to prepare for that are going to outmatch your teachers. <laughs> eek, 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 if that's scary to oh. say, but it is, and you collaborate with teachers, um, but you gotta be, you gotta be headstrong and have instincts and not a drop of fear. And you gotta truly love what- Not you, a drop of fear? Not a I'm drop. not allowed any fear? Nope. No, 
You're not. You're not. I'm not going to make it. I can't. No, that's not going to work. I need a little bit of fear, but yes. See, I'm I'm speaking in certain terms. Not a See, drop. Not a drop of fear. You knock the fear off the ball. No, it's not a good. I, um, I feel like I don't know. That's a great. Uh, boy, it's a great piece of advice. I mean, I talk, say it to our students all the time of like, school is not the end. It's the beginning. Like, it's like you're doing all this stuff and your focus is for these nine months and a year, however long you're really training in this. You have to be focused on it. It's too big not to put some uh, significant percentage of your focus on it, but you need the bigger goal. You need the bigger dream because the school is to train you to do the next thing. And then the dream expands and changes and, you know, all those things. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah. And just... I say it's great advice because I say it too. So that means it's great. <laughs> that great advice. In my opinion, in my opinion, it's great yeah. advice. And a lot of people just, you know, so one of the biggest, yeah, I could talk forever, but one of the biggest things is that so many kids quit within the first year of New York. They realize uh -huh. like, oh, I was not, yeah. I didn't sign up for this. So it's like, yep. know what you're signing up for and then prepare yep. to nail it. Ugh, That's right. Hard. They all know what they're signing up for as a regular listener to this podcast, of course, Chris, but um, <laughs> no, it's, it's really great advice. Um, if people want to check you out, of course, we've kept plugging your your TikTok, which is Chris MZ Carol. Am I saying that right? Chris MZ Carol, C-A-R-R-E-L-L. On TikTok, I'm sure that's not. They don't like search for you. I'm sure that's like you just put your eyes in, and somehow it just shows up on their feed because they've been listening. I'm sure there's a different. Lol. Way. They could do that yeah. on Instagram too. Right? And it's Chris Ms. Carol. No one, uh, everyone, that always goes over people's heads. Chris Ms. Carol, like Christmas Carol. Oh, I, know, I, I did not catch that. I thought it was MZ, like like it's, uh, instead of M, Mister. So I thought it was people like think it's like, like because of Les Mis. People like Ms. think it's like Mister. I'm like, no, right. it's because my name sounds like Christmas Carol. Chris, in your defense, I've only realized recently, and I've been working with Charlie for five years, that his email is Charmer because he's you know a charmer, but it's also the the, the start of his first and last name. Yes. Yeah. I had to explain that to I had to say that out loud. I was like, and, oh, I get it, because you're charming. We think too much about our screen. <laughs> um, we sure do. But we also can find him on Instagram, on Cameo, um, the link to TFCA if you want to donate, which all of you should do. We'd love to throw a couple bucks their way if possible. Right, please, please donate to the fund. Please. It's the biggest bang for your freaking buck in this industry to actually support people who need it. Please donate to the fund. Please. Chris, thank you for your time today, man. It was such a pleasure. It was so fun talking to you, Charlie. Darn tootin', isn't Chris a hootin'? I really enjoy chatting with him and getting to know him better. I think he's such a kind and genuine person, which I come, think comes through in his media, both podcast and social. Um, I am going to do a takeaway, but before that, I just do want to do a re-shout out to the Fund for College Auditions. If you're someone who believes in more equity in this process and wants to help that along, a donation there is a great bang for your buck, as Chris did say. Uh, Ellen does really remarkable stuff with her students, and we are so honored to help so many of them to their phenomenal success. So that link will be in the show notes to donate, or you can head directly to thefundforcollegeauditions.org if you like typing stuff out. As far as a takeaway, I thought Chris brought up some really awesome stuff on authenticity within social media, but that is so far from my expertise that I will leave that one right where it is. Um, I did think it was worth expanding a bit about audition preparation in terms of how much time you spend as a professional on these fast turnaround auditions you get earlier in your career, and now most often these fast turnaround self-tapes. 
I thought it was really interesting that Chris felt like he fell backward into success because he was so crazed that he stopped over-preparing. And I would say it's likely not just how busy he was, but also the repeated reps of again and again that made him feel more comfortable in the room to be himself. But either way, I think it's a really interesting balance for people to find. And you hear that phrase over-preparing a lot. And I just want to talk a little bit about that. To me, over-prepared is not normally about spending too much time, but about the way you spend your time. If you're working something with line readings, or Chris mentioned really trying to create a desired effect, this can make something feel polished or off-putting and sometimes. And if I'm putting on a show for you and showing you what I've done, like showing you my homework, this is what I would be, I am like this, well then I'm not genuinely interacting with the material in the room when you're lucky enough to be in the room, right? But this same polish often happens from being underprepared too, as you try to learn the line so quickly that you only memorize them with a certain emotional effect that you kind of imagine these lines are supposed to have. And then your lack of preparation is actually what creates the, the rigidity in your work. I think I've told this story before, um, but one of my early auditions in the city, which was a new play at the public, and the casting director knew me, he'd cast me before, um, he really threw me a bone of an adjustment, which was to do the scene with a Pittsburgh dialect. I think he'd heard me do a Pittsburgh dialect before, and he was like throwing it to the director, like, oh, you're gonna love this. And the character originally had a Southern dialect, so I thought this was gonna be a super easy change. I already learned the thing with the dialect, here we go, I'm gonna switch Southern into Pittsburgh, I can do both these dialects. I just could not make the switch, which really confounded me and unfortunately, I think, underrepresented how flexible of an actor I actually am in the room. This is a particular skill of mine. I am really flexible. I'm good at taking direction. But I believe, my theory at least, is this all came from me not preparing well. It wasn't actually that I was under or overprepared, but I'd crafted my performance, especially in my work on that dialect, so tightly partially because I cared about that audition so much, I thought this was a really great play and that was really a good opportunity, that I didn't find room for flexibility within my work. So those lines were grooved in tightly with that Southern dialect and I couldn't pull them out of their grooves. So my big advice to young actors preparing is actually to focus more on how you prepare than just how much. You will often hear actors talking about fear of overworking, working something too much. That's why they're gonna put their audition away for a bit, right, they'll often say that. But I think nine times out of 10, it's not actually too much tonnage of time, but rather too tightly gripped of a methodology of preparation. And certainly being underprepared is even riskier. Sometimes you'll have an amazing audition because you barely remember the words and it feels so loose and improvisatory and you feel great about all that, right? But the other edge of that sword can feel really bad. I mean, if they're watching you struggle with the lines or you like take this path, which leads to some really bad acting because you're trying to justify this weird choice that you tried to make because you didn't kind of read the scene or beat it out enough for yourself to, to know what was going on, that can be a really, really hard feeling when it's an audition you care about. You heard a couple episodes ago that story about Jimmy Nicholas and that amazing casting director, I think it was Meg Simon, I think is who it was, um, who gave him that tough love about how underprepared he was, right? She looked at him and was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Right? So turned the camera off and was like, give him a little talking to you of Jimmy, this is inappropriate. You definitely don't wanna fall into that trap of being underprepared. And I'm gonna tag on a little bit of bonus sub advice about preparation, especially when it comes to self tapes and memorization. This is one of the most common mistakes I see young actors make and older actors too. It's really hard, but a lot of people make this mistake. In the limited time of turnaround, the question of do I memorize this? 
do I memorize most of this but look down for the one monologue section or this one sentence that's got tricky language, right? Do I use one of those apps where I can read off the teleprompter or is that going to make me look like I'm reading, right? I think everyone needs to find their balance and where they feel comfortable. I don't think there's one answer to this. But my big advice of what to try to avoid is please try to avoid the stage where you're mostly but not completely memorized, if at all humanly possible. Either go all the way there, have it memorized, or just have the paper to glance at if you need it, or do use those apps or whatever you do in terms of, of a teleprompter. But so often actors are like close enough that they feel like they almost can put down the paper, but they're still just a little shaky on some of the sections. So either you'll get an awkward paraphrase, which often for TV and film can be a little bit awkward if it's like, oh, I messed up the technical mumbo jumbo jargon, which is half the point of this Law & Order audition, whatever it is. Or I think worst of all, and this is maybe a personal pet peeve of mine, You'll do that like Joey Tribbiani smell the fart acting, right? It's where you take these long pauses and really try to, you know, act your way until you can figure out what the line is. I have seen so many talented actors ruin a pretty good self-tape with some intense justification for a pause where it doesn't make sense just because they needed the time to think of the line. If that's going to be the case, I would rather hit you. you have the paper, look down and come back up again. And there's a whole long, we could go deep into maybe a different takeaway with long audition advice about, you know, what kinds of things should you really memorize for TV versus for theater versus how many pages it is, right? You're going to hear all different kinds of advice. And there are certain auditions which really should be memorized, some auditions which is truly fine. And then it's hard to find exactly where that line is in between. You'll hear different guidelines for different from different people. That's a whole other takeaway. But the big thing I'll say is just try, try, try to not be in that in-between state, right? Be honest with yourself. If you're not off book, Hold the paper. If you're off book, great. Be really off book, right? But don't be caught in that no man's land where the whole take becomes about trying to remember the lines. That itself um, is not very interesting acting when I just watch an actor try to summon those lines from, from the ether. Well, that's it. Another incredible episode of Mapping the College Edition produced expertly by the great Megan Cordier. If you want to follow us for more social content and try to catch the steam of our mystery guest, 100th guest, then hit us up at Mapping the College Edition. Please give us a follow there. You can also give us a rating and review. You know, you can rate us and review us in your podcast. You can also follow MTCA on all our socials. Follow me at Charmer7 if you want to see one of my five posts a year. I just posted some pictures from our night of parade. And you can check out MTCA at MT College Edition for help with your individual college prep to my young artists mapping their journeys what are you doing with your showers we'll see you next week hey it's leslie odom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.